0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: I'm Hannah for Heritage Radio Network on tour here at Good Food Mercantile in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, This coverage is supported in part by the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I am very excited to sit down with our old friends and amazing cheesemakers, the ladies from Cowgirl Creamery, Sue Connolly and Maureen Cunny. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. It's wonderful
2: to be on Heritage Radio. Thank you so (laughs) much for inviting us to
1: be on. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, these ladies have been diligently um, slicing cheese, getting ready for the mob to descend upon them. So, ladies, um, this is a very exciting. Mercantile for you, you just received a Good Food Award for Wagon Wheel, which I definitely want to hear about, but there is also a Good Food exclusive cheese that you launched this year, so tell me a little bit about Hopalong. Well,
2: Hopalong is our latest um, cheese and it's a six pound wheel, so it's more manageable than Wagon Wheel. It has certain uh, similar characteristics but the paste is much softer and then it's washed in an organic hard cider so it has a fruitiness at the end of it.
1: And how did you develop a cheese that was specifically for the good food um, customer base? I know this is a very discerning um, very supportive community so what sort of flavors what sort of qualities were you hoping to present to these folks?
3: Um, well, we we really wanted to um, offer a cheese that was more manageable for retailers to have. Um, it's really hard when you have a 15-pound wheel like the wagon wheel um, to cut and preserve the quality if you don't sell it all right away. Um, so we wanted to. We knew we wanted to develop a cheese that was more accessible. We wanted something that was. Um, Uh, We knew what flavor profile and paste we wanted. We wanted something a little bit softer. We wanted it to ripen a little bit faster than the wagon wheel. Um, And we we talked for a while about washing with mead or beer or cider, and finally we came upon an organic cider that we really liked um, and started washing it with that. Um, And then the idea to release
2: it only to the Good Food Mercantile group was genius and it was really we were taking a chance but because they are smaller stores and uh, less known than the larger grocers and but they're really known for being discerning buyers and our gamble paid off I mean it we started selling it so quickly that we were out for about what half a year (laughs)
3: Um, yeah, a couple of months. But I, what is so great about releasing it to the mercantile customers is that they, we are, were also able to get feedback right away. So and they were supporting us. Was the support was there from the beginning? So that was um, it was a really great way to launch the cheese.
2: And we are
3: we're a shop
2: and a producer, so you know it was really um, exciting to to have that exclusiveness.
1: Well, yeah, I'd love to hear about that um, juxtaposition that you're in as both retailers and producers because, it, I mean, you're, you have just an incredible line of cheeses, but also to branch out into retail, what have you learned from doing your own retail space um, that has changed the way that you kind of run the, the production side of things?
2: You forgot to mention we also have a distribution arm.
1: Oh, my gosh, you do everything. <laughs>
2: It's because no one would uh, pick up our cheese when we first started. So we had to develop our own distribution. And then we always had an eye to a retail arm because we were so far out of the city that we needed to get closer to our customers, specifically chefs. So we modeled our business after Neil's Yard Dairy in London that has small distribution, small shop, and a huge impact on the cheesemakers of Great Britain so that was our
1: model and has the retail space changed your relationships with um chefs and 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 with the community at large
3: well it's an opportunity for the chefs to come in and taste the cheese and have a discussion with the monger and they learn about the history of the cheesemaker or the dairy and the farm so it's it's huge
1: so you both come from a restaurant background, which I think is very interesting and definitely, again, speaks to the well-roundedness of everything that you do. Um, it's, it's, it's picnic season, and I think our listeners range from being uh, massive cheese experts to being uh, maybe looking to learn more. Um, so from, from the cowgirls, what would you say is the perfect cheese spread if you're you know, bringing some bites to a picnic or you're hosting a summer uh, dinner party or luncheon, what do you think are the essential components that will make a really well-rounded assortment?
2: We might have to each give our own opinion.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, let's hear Sue's opinion.
2: Well, um, you know, if you're going to be outside, you should pick some aged cheeses that'll hold up in uh, the heat. Um, And inside, I would... Soft cheeses because they're so beautiful in the summer and the spring. The sheep and goat milk are at their peak, so those varieties are really fun in the summer. And um, you always have to have a Mount Tam whether you're indoors or out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a sturdy cheese, <laughs> it's a
3: sturdy, it's a sturdy, a sturdy soft ripened cheese. Yeah. But
2: you know, the cheese makers special is uh, our we're just re-releasing our cottage cheese and we love to bring barbecue chips and use the cottage cheese as a dip and it really fills you up in a beautiful way it's delicious
1: that is such a good idea i'm so glad that you said that (laughs) we talk a lot in our office about how cottage cheese is underappreciated and it is just delicious it's it's the perfect breakfast cheese okay Maureen, let's talk about your, your favorite, your ideal cheese spread.
3: Um, well, I always like to include whatever fruits are in season. Um, I would have to uh, echo Sue's suggestion for outside aged cheeses in the summer and inside soft ripened, fresh goat cheese Chev, um, But I also really love the fruit in the summer paired with those um, young cheeses, whether you're inside or out.
1: Um, So you mentioned you've been in New York for a few days now, and I'm sure you have lots of retailers that you're visiting. Um, I'd love to hear kind of the highlights of what your weekend in New York has been like, who you made a point to visit, and have you had any good bites?
2: Maureen and I spent a whole day visiting retailers in Manhattan, Um, and it's hard to do Manhattan and Brooklyn, so we had another team over in Brooklyn, but... um, we had some good experiences at
3: Italy. Italy.
2: And yeah, when we were at Italy, the British cheesemakers were there and some other friends. And then the new buyer is somebody we used to work with at another store. So we had this amazing cheese community connection at the mozzarella counter at Italy. <laughs> <laughs> we stayed there quite a long time.
3: <laughs> it was uh, waves of people. Coming and going, so it was a it was really a nice and afternoon. And we had a reception for cheesemongers at Patty
2: McGuire's Ale House on Third Avenue, because the cheesemonger invitational was canceled this year, and that's a big highlight of, uh, especially for the younger cheesemongers, a way to appreciate them and uh, honor them. So we invited them all to uh, Patty's for a beer and a slice on saturday and uh we happened to intersect with a wake of one of their customers that had just passed away an irish wake so it's quite a uh, gathering,
1: a gathering. <laughs> That's a, that seems like a really interesting combination um you mentioned um, that you—it's important to you to connect with with new cheesemakers. I think that's really wonderful to hear that it's such a supportive community in the cheese world. Um, who are you seeing out there that is really exciting, and, and, and you're you're looking yeah. forward to seeing what's These next? Guys next to us here are my pet cheese company now, Cascadia.
2: Oh, yeah. Cascadia. They're in they're in Washington State, and I also love. Uh, Sequatchie Cove in Tennessee, because I went to University of Tennessee, and to see something really brilliant coming from that region is fantastic. Who are your favorites?
3: Oh, you cut me off guard. Uh, uh, <laughs> the emerging cheesemakers. Emerging cheesemakers. Um, I'll have to think about that for a minute. Okay, we can come.
1: We can come back to that.
3: Yeah, so many. Yeah.
1: Are we having a bit of a cheese renaissance right now? Does that seem like there are more smaller producers making a name for themselves out there?
2: There's a lot of cheese producers. They're having a hard time staying in business. Uh, The regulations are punishing. The distribution system doesn't favor small producers. And uh, it's becoming more expensive to to start up and stay in business do you agree I, I agree. mean
3: I, I, a, a sustainable business yeah it's it's hard I mean she's making is hard work and raising animals is expensive and owning the land and even if you're buying the milk if you're buying good milk that's quality milk is, it, is comes with a price tag
1: what lessons do you think are most important for for newcomers to the to the cheese world to, to have in mind as they embark? Now that you know you're you're so well established and you are such a voice in the market,
2: I think the business plan is key, and there's a big resistance to thinking it through three to five years. Um, the university extension in california has been very helpful for us and i talked to the people at cornell yesterday that are the ag extension and they were really going to focus on small producers and putting them together with distribution so i think connecting with those kinds of organizations that can really help in the initial stages and they all talk about a business plan you know it's part of the do you agree with that? Yes,
3: I do. I think your, your local university, I mean, University of Wisconsin, University of Oregon, all of them are, um, are there to help the young producers and help them get to the next step and um, also help them troubleshoot. There's a lot of, um, it's a huge learning curve, learning to make cheese, and there's a lot of mistakes, and um, these people are there to help you.
1: And I think... Being here at Mercantile, I think this this community of retailers who are supporting small producers is such an integral part of that, making a small business sustainable. Um, so I would love to hear kind of, I don't know, your your, your thoughts on, on this community and what it represents to independent producers.
3: Well, I, they're incredibly supportive to new producers. I mean, they're, this show itself is... Um, it's a great stepping stone to releasing a new product and here we're 20 years old and we still come and participate and we love seeing what the other people are doing and we find products here that we want to carry in our shops and producers that we want to support so um from both angles it's a really great gathering of people
2: i think there is a missing link and we've both noticed it that journalists aren't paying attention to this show on either coast and um so some work on that would be good thank goodness for heritage radio
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank goodness for cowgirl creamery and our other amazing supporters because without you all we wouldn't even be here so yeah we're all part of this amazing community well thank you ladies is there anything else you wanted to mention before we call it a day and I'm going to definitely go over and taste some cheese soon, I think.
3: You do. Yeah. Hopefully you have time. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sue and Maureen from Calgary Crew. I'll see you soon.